Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Mike Wall with eXp Realty in Dayton, Ohio. Last year, he closed 322 transactions with a total sales volume of $48 million. His average sales price was $150,000, of which 49% were buyers and 51% were sellers. Mike has a 21-member team, 16 agents, two inside sales representatives, one listing manager, one contract manager, one marketing manager, and two team leaders. Mike is the co-team leader of Love Ohio Living. He's been an agent for 10 years and works the Dayton and Cincinnati markets. In this call, Mike talks about mentoring under a top agent as a buyer agent for five years and selling 81 homes in his peak year, getting wiped out during the Great Recession, including losing his house to a foreclosure short sell, leaving the business to work in another industry for five years, easing back into real estate by calling expired listings part-time while keeping his 9-to-5 job. In six months of working in the evenings and weekends, he relisted 44 expired listings and decided to go full-time back into real estate. The key statistic that resulted in the most success with expireds and how you can put the odds in your favor to beat out other agents. His proven approach to expired listings. What he did to build his team to the seventh level so it runs without him. How he gets 85% of his business by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence, including his extensive annual marketing plan. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Mike. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Hey, Mike. It's great to have you here. Hey, Mike, before we talk about what you're doing today, Let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Absolutely. I'm happy to share. Well, before I got into real estate, Mike, my transition was actually a pretty peculiar one. I got into real estate actually in 2002, and I worked uh, with a guy named Phil Herman from REMAX exclusively as a buyer's agent. So I figured when I got into real estate that I would just find the best and then go learn from him or her, and Phil just happened to be that person here in our market. So I reached out to Phil uh, once I got licensed and uh, went to work for him. He worked for Remax. He was one of the top Remax agents in the country at the time. And um, I spent uh, the better part of, well, let's see, from 2002 to early 2009 with Phil. And uh, we all know what happened in 2008. Uh, I rode that out as long as I could and then had to get into corporate America and just get back on, on my feet. And at the time I had uh, to foreclose on my house. Uh, actually we ended up short sailing it and I had a, a baby. 
So it was a, a very difficult transitional period for me in my life, uh, but I did learn a lot from it. And uh, so I went into the, the uh, corporate sector and worked at a company called Modern Office Methods uh, that was based out of Blue Ash, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. Worked for their Dayton branch. I was actually selling copiers, believe it or not. And um, I did also learn a lot about prospecting, selling copiers. So, I, you know, as, as much as I hated it, especially going into that fifth year, I did learn a lot uh, because it is a commodity. There are several other businesses selling printers and copiers. So it is very competitive, and uh, I was very successful at it. And uh, so I did that for five years. I kept my real estate license uh, with a friend at a small brokerage and did some transactions for friends and family and uh, eventually knew I would get back into it at some time. I just didn't know when and I didn't know how. So in November, it was late October, early November of 2013, I was at my outside sales job at Modern Office Methods. And uh, what I did was I started calling expired. I started calling expired before I came in. So I jumped on the phone at like 7.45, 8 in the morning, started calling expired. And by May of 2014, I had 44 listings. And I went to my wife and I said, honey, it's costing me more money to be at my six-figure job uh, at Modern Office Methods than it is to be in real estate. And uh, I asked for her permission to quit. And she gave me her blessing. And you know, the rest is kind of history. That first year I went out and sold 57 houses. That was 2014, 2015, sold 104 houses, 2016, sold 187 houses, 2017, sold just over 300 houses. That is quite a journey, my goodness. Well, uh, thank you for, for opening up and sharing with us that things aren't always perfect and you got to roll with the punches. Let's go all the way back for a second to 2002, the first go-round. You really did get in with a, a heavy hitter there, Phil Herman, and you were a buyer agent. Uh, that first year, how did things go as, as a buyer's agent? You know, gosh, it's, it's a little difficult to remember, but I can tell you I was much younger then. I, I just got in with the intention of just learning as much as I could. And for me, it was like, I didn't have the money to pay for a coach. Um, so I thought if I went and worked with Phil that I would be able to learn and absorb, uh, without having to, without having to pay a coach and I would just pay for my deals through my split. You know what I mean? So it just worked out well. And I always encourage agents, even that I talk to today, that that is just the best way to go because you don't know what you don't know. And to be able to go in and learn and absorb information from people that have done it at a high level I think it's critical. That first five years you were working on the team, what was the, the high point in your production? How many homes did you sell in your best year? I think 81 homes as a buyer's rep. Uh, that was in 2006. Wow, that's, a, that's pretty impressive. 81 homes as a buyer's agent in 2006. That's some heavy-duty production. And then... I got to ask, you know, that we know that the Great Recession hit. It hit harder in some areas than others, but it knocked you out of the business from going from 81 closings to out. 
what happened? And if it happened again, what would you do different? Yeah, I think for me, I was just totally leveraged as a buyer specialist to the buyer market. And we all know that no one was really buying real estate anymore. I mean, especially in our area here. And so what I think Phil had to do is kind of reel it back in. And, you know, his business was definitely affected probably more than cut in half just in a single year because no one was buying homes. Everyone wanted to sell. It was very easy to get a listing, but no one was buying the listing. So, so for me, it was like, if I'm just going to be a buyer agent, there's no way really to sustain. And I hadn't learned enough to go out and, and take listings on my own, or I probably had, I just didn't have probably the self-confidence to do it at that point. And, um, so really my only option, and plus, I mean, I had a wife and I had two small kids. I had a brand new baby in 2008. My youngest son Hunter was born and we just needed that. We felt like we needed that income we could count on. And so, you know, looking back, I wish I would have done it differently, but everything happens for a reason. My story is, is probably like a hundred thousand or who knows, a hundred other people, probably a hundred other agents, because I listen to your podcast all the time. And it seems like most people were, were affected by the recession in some way, shape or fashion. So, you know, for me, it was, we talk about it, Mike, as if it were a bad thing. And it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it showed me to myself, if that makes sense. Like I saw what I did, how I responded, how we came out of it. And um, definitely we've, we're trying to put ourselves in a position now to where if that happened again, so this is in response to the second part of your question, that we are not leveraged into just working with buyers. You know, buyers do represent a large portion of what we do, but we are definitely representing sellers. There are different pieces to my business now that involve investment, rental properties, wholesaling. And so you know, I don't have all my eggs in one basket, if that makes sense. It sure does. And again, thank you for sharing that. You know, that's got to be a low point where you are selling homes and all of a sudden you're in a position where you're losing your home. It was looking like a foreclosure and luckily you were able to short sell, but still pretty, pretty difficult. And I, I bring that up because if anyone's currently experiencing a challenge, they can look at you as a model. Things can look sunny on the other side if you can keep working through it. And that's what you proved. You were willing to keep pushing. Uh, you had the family to push for and other reasons. I'm sure a lot of motivation, but you did. And, and that's very impressive. You went out and you worked thank for you. someone else. Well, thank you for sharing it. You, you went out and you uh, worked for someone else for those next five years and you built up a six-figure income, uh, which must have been difficult to move away from to get back into real estate. What inspired you to move back into real estate? You know, I just always had a passion for it. I mean, I just knew at some point I would move back into real estate. Again, I just didn't know when, I didn't know how. And I thought that expires for me since I didn't grow up in the area that I live in. I don't have a huge network. This is actually where my wife is from, where she grew up, that expires would be the quickest way for me to get there. And when I just, when I started calling them and I was consistent, it just started happening for me. And, you know, like I said, by May of 2014, I had built my listing inventory up where it was just me and I had 44 listings. So you can imagine I was at the point to where my service 
admittedly started to suffer because I had so many listings and I didn't have any help. So the first thing I did was then go to my wife and just ask her for permission to to leave that job knowing that we had a great income waiting on us in real estate and you know never look back. Tell us about your approach to expired listings. How did you get so many so quickly? What were you doing? And that's a great story. I mean, it's the thing about it is is that it's evolved so much, but I can and I often do go back with agents that I talk to who are, you know, newly licensed or or thinking about getting into expired, but I you know, the funny thing about it is I feel like people are always asking for that magic pill or that silver bullet. And really, it just doesn't exist. The reality of it is what I did is I just showed up every day and I followed up when I said I was going to follow up with. You know, I always tell people on our team that real estate is simple. It's not easy, right? So the foundational pieces of real estate, they never change. They're always the same. Now, new technologies come and go but the foundational principles have always been the same. And so what I did is I just showed up and I did those things really well, especially as it relates to expired. So, you know, if I showed, if other agents were showing up at eight or eight thirty or nine, I was showing up at seven forty-five because I knew that 70% of expired were going to list with the first agents that they talked to. Right. And so I was just playing the odds. I didn't know what I didn't know. So what I did was knowing that statistic is I just tried to be the first person to talk to everybody. And then I waited for them to, to essentially uh, succumb to my persistence. You know, so if they told me to call back in six months, I called back in three, right? I sent out mailers. I, I sent out handwritten thank you cards. I delivered seller packages to their front door in, in a UPS folder. So it's just doing that stuff with consistency, and that's why the results started to show up, Mike. Were you making phone calls to the expireds, or were you knocking on their door? Phone calls. I didn't feel, like we had so many expireds at the time, I didn't feel that it was really scalable to door knock every expired. Now, granted, if I saw a listing that I wanted, I would definitely door knock it. Uh, what I would do is I would go to the UPS or the FedEx store, and they give away their envelopes for free. I don't know if they're still doing that, but they did at the time. So I would take some information, uh, maybe a comparative market analysis, business card, just some general literature about myself, and I would you know, package that with a paper clip, put my business card in it, put it in the UPS envelope, and seal it up, and put it right on their front doorstep if I couldn't talk to them. If they were home, that was even better, right? Because then I got a face-to-face appointment. Do you recall the script you were using over the phone? Yeah, I do. I mean, in fact, I called the expired the other day because I sat down with one of our agents, and my script is really simple. It is a combination of Tom Ferry and, uh, or excuse me, Mike Ferry. I get the Ferry guys mixed up because there's so many of them. But my initial contact was, hi, Mr. Mrs. Seller, this is Mike Wall with EXP Realty. Hey, I'm a little confused. I'm trying to pull up the information on your house in the computer, and it's showing up as an expired listing. Is that correct, or did you get the property sold, right? And so what it does, what that script does is it creates curiosity, right? You know, all that really is is we're just trying to draw out as much information as you can. And what's so great, I did a training back for our EXP group a couple weeks ago, and it was about expired specifically. And, you know, the golden nugget that I dropped at the end and I made everybody wait for it is, is to call at 745 because, again, you're playing the statistics. 
And, you know, I say that with the caveat that, you know, maybe there are different laws and regulations. I know you can't use a dialer before 8 a.m., so I know some of your audience may say that. Uh, so if you have to tech dial, you know, do what you have to do. But the, really the golden nugget was that if you are the first agent to talk to them, then you will more than likely get the business if you follow up appropriately. And you, you might ask the question, why? Well, I, number one is if you're the first agent to talk to that seller, then they're, they're less likely to put up any defense because they haven't had 30 other agents calling them throughout the day. And now you're the 31st. And what are you going to say as the 31st agent that's called that, you know, the, the 30 agents prior to you haven't said. So play the odds. I think that's the most important thing is that if you can just show up first and then get their motivation. In other words, why are they selling the property? Do they really have to sell, you know, and find out why it didn't sell. And then I never talk about price. You know, I never talk about price on the phone. Price is always a conversation to have with the consumer when you're in front of them. And, and so what's great about when a listing expires and you know it's overpriced is in most cases I found that that seller was willing to reduce the price of the property, but the agent was not willing to have the conversation to reduce the price with the seller. And so I was lucky enough to go in in that second position, right? Because the agent didn't have the conversation, didn't reduce the price and it didn't sell. The consumer was telling me we probably need to reduce the price, right? But the agent never asked. So I got the business, I got the price reduction and I got it sold. That's very valuable. I really like your concept and your approach. Your big key, as you mentioned, is that you're there. You're early. You're the early bird. I like your, your approach with the confusion. That You can hear the confusion in your voice. You obviously practiced that script. It sounded very genuine. Very nice. Thank you for sharing. Well, I want to step back for a minute. How long have you now been in real estate? So, well... Again, full time, I, I started back into real estate in in two, uh, May of 2014 as both a buyer and listing agent, right? Because when I worked for Phil, I worked exclusively as a buyer specialist. Um, but really, I've been back into the business full time since May of 2014. Very good. So you had that five years as the buyer agent, and just about five years now as a independent agent working your own both sides of the business. Let's be specific. How many homes did you sell last year? What was the sales volume? Uh, we were at 322 homes. Doors sold exactly for uh, about $48.3 million. Wow. That is fantastic. And are you still in production, you personally? I am not, no. Okay. So you pulled yourself out. Are you still managing? Are you managing the operation? I am uh, managing the operation with a partner now. And um, again, we're involved in different projects now as it relates to buying and selling property, commercial real estate. So we're doing some different things in the investment world, but definitely uh, still working with the team as well. So is the team operating independent of you now? Have you achieved what they call the seventh level where the team is running all by itself? That's an interesting question because to me, I would answer that yes, but I'm as involved as I want to be. Do you know what I mean? In other words, like my, my goal was never to get to a point to where I stepped outside of the business and just let it run itself. And you might ask why, right? That's the seventh level, right? But 
quite frankly, Mike, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy being in here with the younger agents, man. These go-getters, these guys that are hungry, right? I love that energy. I love tapping into that. And I love helping those guys get the information that they're looking for so that they can go out and just crush it. How many hours a week are you spending in the team side of the business? Yeah, I would say probably, I would say 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week, so about half time. So what I think is impressive here is that from the time you re-entered about five years ago till now, you started at zero, you built up quickly, you've now built up a team, you've been able to step outside the business that's closing 300 units a year, and you're, you're working kind of a part-time work schedule as far as the team is concerned, and yet you've built quite a business there. So it would be level six, level seven, I guess, if you want to look at that scale, but just look at it as a big picture business. That's pretty impressive. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. It means a lot coming from you, who I know have talked to some of the best agents on the planet, that's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and I assume, you know, when we were getting ready for this uh, appointment, you'd mentioned there's a difference between someone being a real estate agent versus being a business owner. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, and really what it is, is it's just perspective, right? It's the way that you look at how you run your business. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone who wants to be a realtor, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And I think the perception in our industry is that you have to go through these levels, these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven levels to to attain success. And that is that couldn't be further from the truth because there are some people that get to level five and they love what they do at level five. And I would say to that person, keep doing that. You know what I mean? But for me, my goal was to one day turn this into a business that I could work in if I wanted to, or I could step away if I needed to, and it would still generate the income that I needed to uh, feel like that we were running a successful business. And so I think where the transition is from realtor to business owner is when you start taking things more seriously, right? When you develop a P&L, when you're tracking, you know, your cost per lead, when you are, when you're taking recruiting to the next level, you know what I mean? When you, when you're hiring out an operation manager, when you're holding them accountable, right? When you have different layers of accountability in place, when you start looking at those components, that's when you know that you've kind of taken that step from being a, quote unquote, realtor to being a business owner. And that is a very challenging thing to do, Mike. It is not easy because most of us, let's face it, if we're a really good agent, it doesn't necessarily transmit into being a, a really good business owner. Uh, because yeah, I think one of the mistakes that's made even in the corporate world is they'll take a great salesperson and what do they do? They make them a sales manager, right? And, and in most cases, not every salesperson is meant to lead people or to mentor people, right? They're great at what they do in sales because that's what they know. That's who they are. So I think it can be a mistake or a misconception to think that, you know, it's just a natural evolution to go from realtor to business owner. When the reality of it is, it is one of the most challenging things in real estate to do is to make that transition. Let's get uh, the timeline down a little tighter there. You've been in, in this independent side of the business last five years. How far in were you when you were able to step out and have other people operate the business? Did that just happen 
recently? Did it happen last year? Where, where along the line did it happen? I think the biggest leap was made last year. Uh, we sold, like I said, just over 300 homes last year, and I personally went on less than 10 appointments. Wow. Okay. So you've really put the pieces in place. Looking back at that last five years, if somebody was listening and they want to go where you're at and they want to be able to step out of the business, not being in it full time as far as their their focus and the business is able to operate without them, that sixth, seventh level, uh, what were some of the big key stepping stones along the way that were critical for that to happen? Well, you've got to replace yourself, right? So you have to you have to find somebody that is competent enough to do the things that you no longer want to do. So, you know, for instance, we do that as real estate agents all the way from when we start, right? And then we have to hire our first admin. Well, why do we hire that admin? We hire that admin so that that admin can do the paperwork and some of the things, some of the less dollar productive things that we no longer want to do. And when we do that, we allow ourselves more time to then work on the business to continue to help develop and grow. And it's no different when you are transitioning out of the business. In fact, if that is the, if there's any evolution in real estate, that is it, right? Is that you continually replace yourself. You continually are looking for talent or people that are competent to come in and do those things that, you know, either you no longer want to do or you shouldn't be doing that keep you more dollar productive. And the great thing about it is, is when you get to that fifth, sixth or seventh level is really that is when you have the opportunity to get that 30,000 foot view and you free yourself up for more time to work on the business and less time to work actually in the business. Does that make sense? It does. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. How did you do that? How did you not be a control freak and hold on to say, taking all the listings or running all the buyers around, how were you able to let go and believe that the the transactions were still going to get closed? You know, that is a, it's a tricky question, but I'll tell you this. Um, I've always been great at looking off other agents' paper. So what I mean by that is I've had great mentors in place to say, Hey, if you just do what I tell you to do, listen, if you just buy into what I'm telling you, everything will work out. And and so what I've done is I've hired great mentors, great coaches throughout the industry to to kind of lead the way for me. And so what I did is is when I hired somebody and I would pay them, you know, $1,000 a month is that, you know, provided a level or a layer of accountability that if they said me to do something and I had seen that they already had what I wanted, then I didn't ask any questions, Mike. So if that thought of, well, you know, if I give this away, it's not going to be done as good as I would do it. If that thought ever arose, it was quickly dealt with and put aside, if that makes sense. So, you know, for me, I think it's just having that good leadership in place, um, having those good mentors, uh, good role models. 
follow. And so while those, while those thoughts may have, have come up, I never followed them to let them lead me in my decision-making process. Sounds like you had a vision of where you wanted to go and you weren't going to let anything get in its way, including yourself. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it, right? Now, you mentioned that you had these role models, these mentors and coaches, many of whom you paid to help guide you, the Sherpa guiding you up the mountain. Who were some of these mentors and coaches? Well, the first one, the guy I really started watching, kind of like when I was you know, back in corporate America that I really resonated with. And I'm a guy that grew up in like the Texas area. So kind of a Southern guy was a young guy named Jay Kender and Jay Kender put these uh, whiteboard videos out on YouTube. And I'm sure they're still around where he would do like for sale by owner and expired stuff. And I would just absorb everything that he put out. And I just, I always felt like, you know, if Jake do it, I can do it. And, um, and that was kind of my mantra. In fact, I wrote Jay a letter and um, I had it sent to him certified mail so that he had to sign for it. And I just explained in the letter that, you know, exactly what I was going to do. And to this day, I I talk to Jay, in fact, probably every other week because Jay is a, you know, is a, is a leader here at our our company EXP, but Jay still has the letter. Uh, We'll laugh about that sometimes. But it really, it was just creating that vision, that piece of paper that I sent Jay was really me writing out my vision of where I knew I could take this. Let's, let's do this. Let's make sure everybody knows where you're at. You're in Dayton, Ohio. Where is that? Yeah, sure. Actually, we're in a city called uh, Centerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Dayton. So I have an office here at the Dayton Market, and I also have an office uh, and a team down in Westchester, which is a suburb of the Cincinnati market. So we have two teams now serving all of Southwest Ohio. Southwest Ohio. So if somebody were looking for you, that's where they'd find you. That's correct. Tell us a little bit about your market right now. First of all, what's the population in your market area? Dayton's not a huge city. Um, Dayton's probably Dayton's probably 120,000. Average price point going to be anywhere for us, 150, 175, and the market's good. I mean, the market's the market is so good. In fact, Mike, it's bad, uh, and I say that because we are struggling to find inventory. And the the great thing about our great city here in Dayton, is, I don't know if you've ever heard the Mark Twain quote that if uh, if the world's ever coming to an end, I'm moving to Ohio because everything happens ten years later, right? And so what, what, what's great is we see all this happening around us, uh, like in some of the bigger metropolitan markets like New York and L.A. where seller inventory is going up. And what now that provides us is kind of a – provides us a glimpse, I think, into the future. And so we're, we're prepping for that. We're starting to see some minor adjustments, not much. I think inventory is still a struggle. We are starting to see in the luxury market that things are – taking longer to sell, but the bread and butter market, you know, that $150,000, $185,000 price point, those things are still moving in hours um, or days. So it's still a bit of a struggle, but we, uh, we definitely made adjustments and we're having a great year. From one end of the market to the other, you were in a market where 
you had all the listings you wanted and no buyers, and now you're in the opposite market, right? <laughs> Hard to find listings <laughs> and easy to find a buyer. Yeah, well, you've been around long enough to experience the up and downs. Let's do this. Let's talk about how you're generating business, your team right now. And if I understand correctly, about 85% of the business is coming from past clients, sphere of influence, repeat and referrals. First of all, is that correct? Is it about 85% of the business? Yeah, I would say probably 80 to 85% of the business at this point is, uh, is past clients, sphere of influence of our, uh, our team. And are you all keeping a database? And if so, how big is it? Oh, my goodness. Well, we segregate our internet buyer leads and our database. So our database we keep in uh, Infusionsoft and our internet buyer leads. Uh, we have two portals right now through a company called Commissions, Inc. We have one servicing the Cincinnati market, and we have one servicing the Dayton market. In those funnels, there's probably 25,000 buyers and sellers. And in our database right now, I would say we're somewhere around probably just under 3,000, maybe 29, 29, 50, something like that. Well, that's really interesting in and of itself. Thanks for pointing all that out. So your database of 3,000 past clients, sphere of influence, people you know, is out producing your gigantic internet lead database of 25,000 that's 10 times bigger. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I think the great thing about what we're doing here is when we bring people in, we encourage them to sell to their SOI because we pay their SOI at a higher split. We do see exceedingly that a large portion of our business is, is sphere of influence related. Let's talk about how you and your team are staying in front of your past clients and sphere of influence. Over the course of a year, exactly what are you doing? What would be your annual marketing plan? Sure. That's a great question. And so what we're doing right now is say it's a land, air, sea attack. When somebody goes into our database in Infusionsoft, they're first set up on our past client drip, uh, which includes a series of interactive emails. Those emails have links to valuable buyer and seller information. You know, when that buyer or seller becomes interested in the real estate market, if they click on any of those links, then our ISAs get an email that the buyer or seller is interacting with the email and it sends them an email on the material that they're interacting with. And then that would set the ISA up for a phone call. We are sending out um, send out cards for major holidays, birthdays and anniversaries. And uh, so that is all automated. Uh, we are doing client appreciation events here locally, and we're sending out invitations for those. We are also dripping on them with market updates. So we're sending them, if we have an address, and in most cases we do, if they're staying locally, uh, we will send them sold data and home evaluation reports on a monthly basis as well. So literally we are calling them, we are mailing them, and we are, there's another component that I failed to mention as well. We, we are typically getting their social media information and staying in front of them that way as well. So with like, we will photograph when we have a closing and, you know, typically that will be a part of something that hopefully that they will see. 
but like I said, it's we're, we're male, we're social media, and we're heavy in the mail because we think that when you send something that is heartfelt and, you know, on their birthday, they're getting a couple brownies that can just make an impact. But, you know, the reality of it is it's you're doing all these things and that's the reality of what's keeping our name in front of these people. Wow. Let's, let's dig into that uh, a bit more. So where we started up at the top was uh, I heard emails that you're sending out uh, valuable information by email. How many emails are you sending out over the course of a year? So how many per week or month or year? So they're getting 12 emails, 12 emails. Now those are 12 emails from Infusionsoft. Okay. So those are our, those are emails that go out with like live links into just valuable documents that they can click on that provide information that would be pertinent to, you know, just own, having owned a home for three months or six months or two years, things that they would look for. That is part of the email uh, that goes out through Infusionsoft. And then the other part that goes out, all goes throughout is automated out through our commissions Inc. platform, that being the market reports and then the sold data. And how often are the market report emails going out? The market report emails are going out monthly. Okay, so every month they're getting two pieces of email from you. One is uh, the valuable one with the link back, and the other one is a market update. They're actually getting three. Ah. So they're getting the Infusionsoft email, right? And these are all Mm -hmm. staggered, so they're not getting three emails in one day, right? That would be ridiculous. Um, they're getting, they're getting the infusion soft email. They're getting the market update email with the sold data, and then they're getting their home evaluation. And so those are going out staggered within a one month period. So that's the email campaign that's going out. So the sold data is different than the CMA. So it's more maybe general sales in the market, uh, versus the sales in their neighborhood. Well, no, the email that's going out with solds is just an email that typically is their neighborhood, okay? So it's just sold information that's compiled and then generated through Commissions, Inc., then is sent out via email. And then the market, like the, the home evaluation, is just a general scope of value range where their property is located. And then there, there are some live links in that email as they get closer to going down the sales funnel that they can click on and hopefully come back into our database so that our ISAs can follow up with them. Wow. That's a lot of contact. So that's uh, you're contacting your past clients and sphere of influence once every 10 days by email. Yeah, we stay in front of them and we know, you know, I mean, we know with email, the open rate probably less than 25% usually. But again, it's not, it's not really about just doing the emails, and it never, it never was. It's about doing all those components and doing them consistently. Right. And another component you mentioned was the mail, the send-out cards. Now, send-out cards, that's a company, correct? It is, yep. And you mentioned you're sending out a holiday, birthday, and anniversary. When you say anniversary, is that the wedding anniversary or the home purchase anniversary? Both. Yeah, we will, um, we will, at closing, we have a, in Infusionsoft, we can set up a follow-up plan. And what, what happens is the send-out cards, that being a different component, but when we put 
you could you would essentially what you do is you upload your data. I don't know anybody who's had any interaction with Sendout Cards. They are a great company because they allow you to upload your database into uh, Sendout Cards, and we have a VA that will enter the information. So my contract manager on our sales and process form is required to go in and get all of those dates for us, right? The deal is not complete until we have obtained those anniversary dates and those, uh, those birthdays and those holidays. Well, I mean, the holidays always fall on the same day, but you see where I'm going. Which holidays do you mail something out on? We mail out on Christmas, Easter for our Jewish clients. We're mailing out on Hanukkah, Passover. We are mailing out on Valentine's Day. Let's see, what other ones are we? I don't think there's much more that we're mailing out on than, than those major holidays. So it sounds like maybe three different holidays uh, through the course of the year, depending on uh, which religion they are. And plus you got the birthday and the two anniversaries. So about, I'm counting up about six cards a year, once every two months, once every 60 days. Oh, Mike, we do a Thanksgiving card as well. And a Thanksgiving. Well, you're really sending a lot of mail to stay in front of them. On those cards, uh, what's on the card? Are you asking for business? Is there a call to action? funny you say that because on some of the cards, there's not a call to action. It is just about keeping our information in front of, of that past client, right? But in some of the information on the card, if they decided to go back in and start doing some research, there's call to action and where we would lead them. So if they came back into the website, if they asked for a home evaluation, in other words, if let's say they hadn't been getting our emails or our emails for whatever reason went into their spam folder, right? So they're reaching out for a home evaluation. It's more of that stuff. It's not like we don't get into, hey, you know, hey, call me if you're thinking about buying or selling. It's, it's, I just feel like if you stay in front of them enough that you really don't have to, to ask for the business because they don't know anybody else to call because you've done such a great job marketing to them, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Now, send out cards. It's a very personalized card. It'll have your picture on it, for instance, and your name. You can create messages that are unique to either the person who's receiving it or the general group. Is that all correct? That is all correct. And you also mentioned that on birthdays, you would send out brownies. Is that something that this company does for you? They do it for you and it's all automated. It's fantastic. And people call you out of the blue or send you an email and they say, or send you an instant message on Facebook. It's, you know, thanks so much for the brownies. They were delicious. I mean, we get those all the time and it's, you know, it's just nice to see that it's working and making an impact. And how did you say that you got their birthday? How do you find that out? We can't close out a file. I don't allow our team to close out a file until they have that information. So there's a series of questions on our sales and process form, and that is one of them. Uh, so we don't close a file out. No one can get paid until we, we get that information. So your staff is directly asking the client before they close or at closing, to make sure they get that information and get it collected. It's just part of your system to make sure it happens because you know you want to send out these brownies in the card later. That is correct, Mike. Very nice. Now, you also mentioned you have client appreciation events. Uh, How many events are you doing throughout the course of the year and what are they? We usually do two events. And in every case for us, it's just been at a local uh, restaurant or bar. And we will just invite clients we're currently working with. We invite 
agents. We invite agents from other companies and we invite our past clients. And so, and you might ask, well, why are you inviting agents from other companies? And, you know, the reality of it is we want to share what we're doing here at eXp with all of our, our agents out there who are, you know, working at, at a different brokerage because, you know, we love this company and we love what it represents. And so we want them to see the camaraderie, what we do, how we interact with our clients. And uh, we want to be able to spread the message about eXp. And then we want to be able to uh, interact with our clients as well and do something special for them. So we'll do two of those typically, like I said, at, at a local bar or restaurant. And those are really nice events. How many people do you invite? How many people typically show up and what's the cost? The cost, uh, well, it depends on, you know, if you, you know, a lot of times we can uh, leverage some of our vendor partners to help out with some of those events um, who we've done business with and who have been so good to us. And so I would say, you know, those events can range anywhere from um, $2,500 to $4,000, just depending on how many people you can expect. And I would say you're going to get anywhere from, you know, 150 people to 300 people, I would say, to any one event. I think 300 being the largest. I can't remember the smallest. It may have even been less than 100, but that's just kind of a range, I would say. Do you typically see business coming out of those events immediately at or immediately after the event? Almost always we take a referral at the event, almost every single time. And that would cover your cost to the event? Usually more than, yeah. And what time of year do you do these events? We will typically do one in the summer. And we'll do one in the late fall. So we'll have an event coming up here probably uh, in October. I assume that one of the reasons you're doing the events is all the invitations. You get to invite them three or four or five times before the event through email and phone calls and mail and everything else, social media. And then you get to see them at the event. And then you get to do a post-event where you say, hey, check out what we did, and all those contacts are adding up. Is that why you're doing the event? That is why we're doing the events. And we also, those aren't the only two events we do. We also, we created a company called the Hero House Project. And what we do with that is we will actually rebate a portion of the commission back to individuals who are active or retired military, policemen and women, firemen and women, teachers and healthcare professionals. And so we do events with the Hero House Project. We've got one coming up September 8th. It's going to be a big event with uh, uh, the Pink Ribbon Girls and the uh, International Association of Firefighters. Dayton is a blue-collar town. Cincinnati is a blue-collar town. And what we want to do is we want to, we want to give back to those people that give so much to us. You mentioned you've got this team now. Could you give us a big picture of the team? So we're looking for like an organizational chart of what positions are on the team, how many people in each position, and what they're responsible for. Yep, absolutely. So uh, as of February, I've partnered with a guy that we brought over with us from Keller Williams. His name is John Powelski. So he is a big-time operations guy, great agent, uh, was doing $10 million a year when I met him. So John is kind of, you know, my partner in this whole thing. And so right now we've got myself, we've got John, we've got three admins, we've got a, a listing manager, we've got a marketing manager, 
and we've got a contract manager. Uh, we've got two inside salespeople, uh, one for each market, one for Dayton and one for Cincinnati. And we have 16 agents servicing the Dayton and Cincinnati markets. We also have, we've got a 3,200 square foot office here. And uh, I also, my investment company runs out of here. I've got a business partner there, a guy named Jay Toms. And then we have an office manager. Her name is Angela. So I'm trying to think if, if, uh, if I can think of anything else. Yeah, I think that's it. Let me ask about the agents. First of all, are the agents working just with buyers, just with sellers? Are they working both? Our agents will work both with the exception of a brand new agent. Our brand new agents go into a mentor program at a reduced commission split, and they are required to work with and close on 25 buyers before they're allowed to get in front of a seller. Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. And one of the things that people ask all the time when they're setting up a team is compensation. Would you mind disclosing to us what a compensation program you've set up for your agents? Not at all. Not at all. So our traditional compensation plan is fairly simple. It's just that we our agents are on a 50-50 split and we we do a 60-40 split for SOI. So we'll pay them 60% on any other SOI. Uh, that they you know bring over and, and do a deal with. So that's in the traditional sense. That's the way everything is structured out. Now we have an ISA team as well. So if ISA team sets the appointment for the agent. Then they would be on a 50/50 split. However, they would pay the ISA a 25% referral fee of their 50% split. Does that make sense? It does. So if there's an inside company transaction that comes through that the ISA set up, the ISA is getting 25, the agent's getting 25, and the house is getting 50. Correct. And the house uses that money to pay for more advertising to get more leads. And pay those ISA salaries, right? And pay the ISAs and all the other overhead. (laughs) Exactly correct. (laughs) Very good. Well, that brings up my next question. That is, are you profitable? We are definitely profitable. And would you mind telling us what your profit margin is? We're at 32%. It's not bad. Very nice. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. What drives you? Man, I didn't know you were going to get that deep on me, Mike. (laughs) So, you know, I think what drives me at the end of the day is I just, I love to create new things. And I love, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and, and I just get passionate about helping new agents or agents who are not necessarily new, but they, they're interested in learning. They're interested in pursuing more. And I so love being in front of, or being plugged into those guys and gals who are just a sponge and willing to uh, absorb all of the information you're willing to give them. It is such a pleasure, Mike, to bring somebody in with that passion, that vigor, and for them to know their purpose and all they need is that information. All they need is that missing component of which they don't know. And then when you put that in front of them to see them go do that and to see them succeed, man, there's just nothing better than that. And so, you know, for me, that's become, that's the new vision of what I'm doing. I think on a daily basis, it's just to be able to touch more people's lives and be able to to help them achieve their goals. And so what drives me right now, I would say is just is helping agents who 
who don't know what they don't know, uh, but have that passion, that drive to go out and be successful. And I think that's what gets me excited. Mike, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? We talked about this a little bit earlier, too. I would advise them to find someone in their marketplace who is doing what they want to do and see if you can work with them or for them. Uh, Because there is no cheaper or no better way to do that, especially when you don't have any money, than to be able to provide value to that individual. And so that would be, I think, the critical piece of advice that I would give them. And the component that I don't want to overlook there is, obviously, you have to have that drive, right? You have to have the ambition to go out and do something like that. But if you have that component in place, yeah, I would just say, hey, go out and find the best agent in your marketplace and go work with them or for them. Mike, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I would say they're invaluable. Because, you know, again, it, it, um, it piques that curiosity. It, it helps them ask themselves the questions of not only is real estate for me, but where can I get the information that I need and what is the next step I should take? And I, I think if you're consistently taking action, if you're consistently taking that next step, that podcast like this are a great venue for those agents who are seeking that information to get it. Well, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? For me, it's just I can see that guy or gal out there who's listening to this podcast, and I would just tell them to stay with it, man. Keep doing what you're doing, and you will get there. Well, Mike, you know a lot about persistence and tenacity. You built a successful buyer-based business that was wiped out during the Great Recession. It even knocked you out of the business and caused you to lose your home. You developed your sales skills by selling copiers for five years. Then you re-entered the industry by storm, relisting 44 expireds in six months while working part-time. You developed systems and teams and built a powerhouse that closed over 300 transactions last year while maintaining profitability. You are an inspiration to anyone who's been knocked down or even out of the business. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 245 homes last year by inspiring others to think big. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. 
And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.